First Corinthians, uh, First Chronicles 16, tells us about the um, response of the Ark as the Ark of the Covenant is now in its place in Jerusalem uh, that David had uh, pitched for it. We will see uh, a title uh, today uh, for the first 22 verses of chapter 16 of freely thanking and praising God for his presence. Mm -hmm. The presence of God um, is the focal point of the Ark of the Covenant. And they thought that they could have his presence in battle and thought they could use God. God won't be used uh, for um, selfish ends. But uh, it had been years uh, before the ark has uh, been returned and now is the focal point now of worship and will be for generations uh, to come. So understanding why or trying to think of why we need this passage of scripture how easy is it for us to be far from God? The end of our time last time, chapter 15, verse 29, um, Michael, David's wife, Saul's daughter, despises David in her heart. She is not part of the celebration. And we can easily get far from God just by not doing what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. It doesn't take any um, effort on our part to get far from God. It actually takes effort to stay close to him. Um, and it's easy for us to be far from God. And when we are, we'll despise people who love him. Here we see David's wife despises him in her heart because he loves God. As he's showing a celebration of God's presence. So uh, this story shows us that it is possible for his people, though, to be provoked to love the Lord and remember, thank, and praise him. So remembering, thanking, and praising him is the theme of our um, of this song of, that we'll start to look at tonight. The best part about this life and eternal life in heaven is what? It's God's presence. That is what makes heaven, heaven. And at the moment of our salvation, eternal life begins. And eternal life, Jesus defines as that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing God, knowing the joy of his presence is what makes life worth living. And being far from God makes life difficult. So we're going to try to understand uh, when we go away from God and we feel a little bit like Michael in the story, what do we do to get back to celebrating God's presence? And if we're going to be like David, provoking other people to worship and praise God, how do we, in this passage, how do we reach out to people that are far from him and try to help them to see there's a better way to do life than being far from God? Um and so there are a couple things here that we'll see from godly leaders uh, from David. And then we're going to see Asaph and his uh, brothers as they compose a song. And this song is in diff three different psalms in our Psalter. And we'll look at just the first uh, part of it, the first third of, um, of the song of thanks uh, tonight. So the first seven verses of chapter 16 
It says, godly leaders provoke others to thank, pray, and praise God for his presence with their actions. So let's pick up in verse 1 of chapter 16. And they, that's all of the children of Israel, the leaders, and David leading, they uh, brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. Now, we don't offer burnt offerings and peace offerings today. Uh, but if you were in Israel and you're reading this, you're like, oh, yeah, I know what a burnt offering and a peace offering is. So what do we where do we go to look for what is a burnt offering and a peace offering? We go back to Leviticus and we see a burnt offering in Leviticus 1, 4 is uh, is a regular daily uh, morning and evening. They offered up this burnt offering and they and it, it uses the word atonement. So anyone who is far from God needs to have some way to get close to God. And the burnt offering was that way. Morning and evening, Israel was reminded as they had their morning and evening sacrifices, we are a sinful people, we're far from God, we're bringing a sacrifice because we need to be atoned because <laughs> there's no other way to be close to God's presence without this sacrifice. So a burnt offering was regular. They had extra burnt offerings on special occasions, Sat Sabbaths they had special uh, times, but every time they had a morning and evening burnt offering. So that's what they do here as they bring in the ark and then peace offerings. There's three different peace offerings that are mentioned in Leviticus 3 and then 7, 11 to 21. And they were occasional. So a peace offering was also called a fellowship offering. And most offerings, the worshiper did not eat any or take part in anything. It was either burnt offering was completely consumed. Nobody got any food from that. And some offerings, the priests got some food from it. But the peace offering was given partially to God, and then the worshiper actually had part of the bread and part of the meat. And you'll see bread and meat as part of the gift that David gives. And so a peace offering was on three occasions, and both we're not sure exactly here. Uh, it was for thankfulness for God's um, protection, and uh, that would go with this because no one dies the second time. So they're thanking God. Like, if you came back from battle you would, and you survived the battle, you would offer a peace offering and thank God for his protection in battle. Uh, another uh, occasion for the peace offering was free will. I just love God and I want to worship and thank and praise him. We see that element clearly here. And the third uh, is a vow. So when Hannah um, vows to God, I am going to offer my son back to the service for Samuel when he's born, she has a peace offering. And so she takes part in this covenant, this union at this offering where she is fellowshipping with God. She's paying her vow uh, with this peace offering. And David may have, and the, the Levites may have vowed to God, God, if you will allow us to bring the ark here, we will offer the appropriate sacrifice and that would be a peace offering and so god did allow them without anybody being killed the second time and they could have offered it uh, for that reason so all three of these could be reasons why they offered had this peace offering recognizing god's uh, provision protection and thanking him so notice uh you see that david includes all the people and the leader is not just the only one here but Verse two, when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. I remember the, the whole theme of Chronicles is the covenant faithfulness of God. And 
it is very clear here that David wants to obey God. He recognizes God, fellowshipping with God, and he includes all the people in this uh, remembering and fellowshipping with God. He's blessing them in the name of the Lord. And then verse 3, he distributes to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. And the loaf of bread and the portion of meat are mentioned in Leviticus as part of the peace offering that you were to offer some of it to God and you're allowed to eat it uh, on, on one of those three occasions that we just mentioned. So it could be that David offers this sacrifice, includes all of Israel, and then allows them to uh, be part of this um, peace offering and giving them a loaf of bread and a portion of of the meat and then a cake of raisins uh it was like a meal that he gives them <clears throat> verse four then he appointed some of the levites as ministers before the ark of the lord to invoke to thank and to praise the lord so this is the purpose of the song that we're going to sing or we'll, we'll see we're not going to sing it uh in verses eight to the end of the chapter uh, verses eight to 36 almost the end um so David commissions, appoints the Levites to do this, and he mentions the Levites by name who are to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph, in verse 5, that was the chief, and he's going to be mentioned again in verse 7. And you'll see several psalms that are attributed to Asaph as the writer. Um, psalm 105, which we'll see tonight, Psalm 105, 1 to 15, is verses 8 to 22. And so the first third of the psalm, Psalm 105, is actually 45 verses, but only 15 verses are recorded here for us. But there's no person ascribed to Psalm 105. Um, and so it's likely that David could have written it. In your Bible, you may have David's Psalm of Thanks. In my Bible, that's what I have. Other people this morning, when we looked at it, didn't have a, um, didn't have a person. It just said a Song of Thanks. Um, and so it's not clear here whether Asaph and his brothers write the song, or it says on verse 7 that on that day David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord. So we're not sure if David writes it, or it just says Asaph, we're going to have this song of thanks, we'd like you to write it, and your brothers, and we'll, and we'll sing it. So it doesn't matter who, who writes it, what we're going to learn, and we're going to take, uh, Lord willing, three weeks to look at this song of thanks, and the first part we'll look at tonight. All right, verse 8. So, um, godly leaders provoke others to thank and praise God for his presence, and we'll see how they do that. Verses 8 through 11 is that we should seek the Lord's presence. So, if you were, um, Michael, listening to this song, and she's far from God, or she doesn't know God, one of the two, at the end of chapter 15, She's, she's walked away from what she knew, or she rejected what she knew, rebelling against what she knows. She's married to a guy who loves the Lord with his whole heart and wants to worship him, which is why he's bringing the ark and wants everyone around him to worship him. It's likely other wives and children are there worshiping, and she is identified as not wanting to worship God. So she's far from God. And so um, if she were to hear this song, uh, it would help bring her back or help provoke her to want to worship God. And uh, when people are far from God that we love and we talk to them like this song, uh, we're not guaranteed that they're going to turn back to the Lord, but we're going to make God look, his presence look very, very attractive. 
and we're going to show them the joy of the Lord that we have. Obviously, there was a great joy in Israel in celebrating this occasion and unity, and um, and we're going to see the, the occasion. So you'll see several psalms in your, in your Psalter start with, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, oh, give thanks to the Lord for something. This song, song Psalm 105, verse 1 to 15, it's here all together in one psalm. The second part of the psalm is psalm here is Psalm 96. And the last two verses, verses 35 and 36, are the end, I believe, of Psalm 106. So 105, first part, first third of it. Uh, then I think all of Psalm 96. And then the last couple of verses are uh, the end of Psalm 106. So it's word for word. You can compare it. It's the exact same text. Um, and so we'll see here. It is, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. So if someone is far from God, or if you are far from God, and we as a church reach out to you, we're going to tell you to seek the Lord. And we're going to tell you, oh, give, give thanks to the Lord. And if you're a believer, there was a time in your life that you did give thanks to the Lord and you did seek him. But as we often uh, do, we go in cycles of being close to God and a little further from God and closer to God. And there are so many times in the last 17 years that I've been a pastor that I have had to come to church and I wasn't very close to God. I didn't really want to be around God's people. I didn't want to share God's word. I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to give an offering. I wanted to be at home by myself, in my bed, <laughs> or on my couch. That's where I wanted to be. That's what I felt like being. But I very rarely would come and leave the same way I came. When I got around God's people, especially in worship, and they were singing songs like this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. And you talk to people that talk about how great God was and his wonderful deeds and you're like why am i far from this god who everybody is praising this makes no sense this isn't i'm not happy here so how do i go back to god and you hear people in verse 9 singing to him singing praises to him and telling of all his wondrous works and these are people in the old testament but how much more of his wondrous works do we see in the new testament at the cross and the empty tomb and the salvation of once his enemies now seated at his table They're like oh this is really good he is really a good god verse 10 glory that word glory is where we get our word hallelujah it's the hebrew word halal so hallelujah is glory in jehovah and that's what we see here in verse 10. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. So compare that with the end of verse 30 or end of verse 29 of 15. You'll see that she is despising David in her heart. And David is known as a man after God's own heart. So David is showing her, and he's showing here all the Israelites as their leader, how to seek the Lord. And his heart 
has sought the Lord, and now his heart is rejoicing. Every time our heart seeks the Lord, our Lord makes sure that our heart rejoices. And it is, it's impossible to be far from God and rejoicing in who he is at the same time. But it's God's people here, and it's God's leader provoking and organizing and obeying God. And now this is the climax of obedience, that they're in God's presence, which is exactly where they wanted to be and why they brought the ark. And now they're gathered around and worshiping God. And this is the best day of their lives up to this point. Seek the Lord, verse 11, and his strength. Seek his presence continually. They bring the ark here because they plan to seek God's presence continually. Seek the Lord and his strength. Why? Because he has made, he has wonderful deeds, his wondrous works. And we're going to, they're going to start talking about those in remembrance here in verse 12. But verses 8 through 11 says, we should seek God's presence, giving him thanks, calling upon his name, making known his deeds, and singing to him. All is how we seek the Lord's presence. So when you're, you and I are far from God and someone in love, a Christian brother or sister reaches out to you and says, hey, give thanks to the Lord. He's good. Call on his name. He'll help you out of your despondency, out of your, uh, your trouble. Turn back to him. Come to him. Sing to him. I don't feel like singing. Sing anyway. <laughs> whenever we sing anyway, whenever we give thanks anyway, whenever we seek him anyway, whenever we glory in his name, Anyway, you know what happens to your heart? It goes from cold to not so cold to a little warmer to, wow, I cannot believe I was that far from God. I don't want to go back there. I want to stay close. I want to seek his presence continually. So we should seek God's presence, the Lord's presence. And then we should remember the Lord's wonderful deeds. Verses 12 to 22 are how the Lord, how the Israelites specifically are remembering the Lord's wonderful deeds to them as a nation, which magnify and testify to, um, to man of God's glory. So let's see how they do this in verse 12. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. Remember when David was first asked to be king, they said, the Lord, your God. But now they're singing about the Lord, our God. We're gathered around God's presence, and this is how God's people talk about the Lord. He is our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember, it's the second time we see the word remember. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The earth is 6,000 years old. They'd have to, if there's 20 years for a generation, Average, we haven't even had a third of a thousand generations yet on earth. This is a way of saying all generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel is as an everlasting covenant. And what is this covenant that he made with Abraham, swore to Isaac, confirmed to Jacob as an everlasting covenant? Well, we have it summarized in verse 18 saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for inheritance. So Israel just brought the Ark of the Covenant into the very center of what we call the promised land. It was promised to Abraham. 
Isaac, Jacob. They go off into Egypt. They come out of Egypt and they go to this land and they inhabit cities that they did not build and houses that they did not build and vineyards that they did not plant and orchards that they did not plant. All of this, God says, is a gift to you from your God because he keeps his promises. And here they are remembering God's covenant to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And this is, <laughs> Abraham lives a thousand years before David does. Okay, so this is a long time since these promises were made, passed down, and they know. And now they're starting to realize the blessing of God in the promised land with the center of God, God with us. And we can know, we know that we're following his word and he's causing us joy and we're seeking him. And he is, we're remembering, we're remembering him and we're thanking him. Verse 19, when you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another uh, people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. So he protected them. And that's where Psalm 105 1 to 15 stops and Psalm 96 picks up in verse 23. So we'll stop there. God's wonderful deeds focus on God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob of the land of Israel, um, of which the Ark of the Covenant is God's promise. If you obey me, I will bless you. I will give you this land. And now they're enjoying this land. It focuses his people on the center of the promised land, which is where the Ark of the Covenant now resides. But what makes the promised land special is God's presence. What makes your life and my life special is God's presence. We're just made of dust. From dust we came, dust we're going back. What makes our lives unique is God's presence inside of us. We can never forget that. <laughs> In the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost, what all Jewish people wanted in Acts 2 was God's presence in them. They observed the 120 speaking in other languages and said, we want God's power like that in us too. And Peter's preaching to them. And he tells them the wonderful name of God that we saw and remembered and, and to, to seek here and to glory in his holy name. The wonderful name of God with us is Jesus. Is God with us? He did not leave us as he did not leave his um, disciples when they didn't want him to leave. When he's telling, I'm going to go be killed the next day. And they're like, no, no don't, don't leave us. He's, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send my spirit. It's going to be better for you that I send him. He's the comforter. He's going to be with you. He's the spirit of Christ. He gave us his spirit to be in us, to empower us. And what does the Holy Spirit empower us to do? To remember and praise the Lord for who he is and what he has done and what he will do. We're on the winning team. And the Holy Spirit inside of us, God's presence in us, what all the Old Testament Israelites would have longed to have had, we have as Christians today. What they could just observe and couldn't even see because of how holy it was or they would die. We enjoy the presence of God in us. And 
when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost and elsewhere in Acts, I think it's mentioned a second time, speaks of God's presence in Psalm 16, 11. And he quotes Psalm 16, I think 8 to 11. And when the Christ goes back, he's at God's right hand, he sends the spirit and Peter quotes this in Psalm 16, 11, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So I started by saying the best part about life and eternal life in heaven is God's presence. And let me encourage you, don't believe anything to the contrary. Anything that gets you to think that the best part about life is something other than God's presence is a lie. And our flesh and the world and the devil are constantly giving us thousands of lies to believe that there's something better in life than being in God's presence. And that's not true. David knew it wasn't true. That's why he wanted God's presence as close to him as possible. That's why he gathered all the, the Levites and the priests to sing God's praises. And now we're reading it 3,000 years later, and we're provoked to thank and praise and worship God like these people were in joy. And when we're far from God, or we know people far from God, this is what they need. They need God's presence. They're, they're, they're miserable because they don't enjoy God's presence. And we tell them, and it's difficult uh, when you're related to someone or you love someone who doesn't want you to talk about God. And you don't have to preach at them and tell them, you need to get back here. You can tell them and show them the joy of God's presence. You can tell them about God's wonderful works to you, to your family, to your church. And I've had a few people that I think have rejected God and they know I'm a pastor and I'm friends with them. And they say, how are things going at church? <laughs> and I tell them about how good God is and how wonderful he is and his wonderful works. And hopefully that God will use that to provoke them. And I'll tell people and I need to remind myself. And you guys remind me when I'm getting far from God too, that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. It's the best place in the universe. That's where we're going to love. <laughs> we can't wait to get there. Um, and so we'll thank the Lord tonight. And uh, if you want to keep your Bible open to First Chronicles 16, uh, especially verses 8 through 11, um, that may help us in our, in our prayer time tonight.